0: This is my Father's world. Heavenly Father, bless the words of my mouth, meditation of each heart here in this sanctuary and later on those live streaming. May the words of my mouth, meditation of each heart be blessed and acceptable in thy sight. In our Lord's name, amen. I will not reread the gospel that Pastor Schauer read to you, Luke 7. It is a story that I want to cover with you this weekend It is entitled Dinner Guest, two in particular, Simon the Pharisee and the Lady of the Night. It's a dinner party. It's a formal dinner party. It's taking place in Jerusalem, and the year is 30 A.D. Let me tell you the custom of the day. In those days, a dinner party took place outside. It was an open courtyard courtyard where they had set up tables. They were public events in the fact that the neighbors could feel free to stand around the sides of the courtyard in order to observe the guests that were sitting there and the activities that took place. They were just people watching, I guess you could say. Strange, right? But such was the custom of the time. They weren't actual guests but neither were they intruders. It was expected at the time for the public to stand around the formal guests. The host of the dinner party was expected to do three things for his guests. Number one, every guest was to receive a kiss of welcome from the host. It was a sign of affection placed upon their cheek or their forehead, a sign of affection saying to them, I am glad you're here. I'm honored that you could come. Jesus, though invited by Simon the Pharisee, he did not receive a kiss of welcome from this man. The second thing every guest received was water for their feet. There was a pan put out for every guest, and they would take the sandals off their feet and they would wash the dust off their feet and they would put their sandals back on. Every guest received this, but excuse me, one guest, Jesus, did not receive this act of kindness. Thirdly, every guest had oil that was anointed on their forehead. It was put and rubbed on their forehead. And quite frankly, The reason for this was they didn't bathe very often in those days. And in order for the odors around the table to be fairly decent, that is what the host would do. Oil rubbed on the forehead. Every guest received this act of kindness, except one guest at this fest, and that guest was Jesus there was no water for his feet. There was no kiss of welcome. And there was no oil on his forehead. Why? Why was Jesus excluded? Let me explain by talking about the host. I told you his name was Simon the Pharisee. He hasn't invited Jesus for this formal get together. It's a surprising invitation. Because the Pharisees and Jesus did not get along too well. The Pharisees tolerated him better than the Sadducees because at least they had three beliefs in common. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection in angels and in spirits as did Jesus. But the Sadducees did not. They did not believe in the resurrection of any human being. When you died, you were dead. Nor do they believe in angels, nor did they believe in spirits. The Pharisees and Jesus had these beliefs in common. Uh, Simon was a different sort of Pharisee, He didn't follow the rules explicitly. He was broad-minded enough to invite this upstart young rabbi to dinner. Figured it wouldn't do him any harm figure it'd make him look good in the eyes of the people. I'm a modern-day Pharisee. I don't follow all the rules. I invite Jesus to this dinner table. Everyone's talking about him. Thousands are following him. I'll be broad-minded enough to bring him here. But Simon the Pharisee was bringing Jesus there to make himself look good wasn't because he had any particular devotion to Jesus or following his ministry. He just wanted to make himself look good. And quite frankly, he was thinking to himself, how honored Jesus must be that I have invited him to come. I don't have to give him water for his feet. I don't have to give him oil for his forehead. I don't have to give him a kiss of welcome. I have extended my graciousness to him by inviting him to my place. Such arrogance on the parts of this Pharisee. There would be another Pharisee during Holy Week. His name was Nicodemus. And he would come to Jesus in the middle of the night and far different from Simon. Because Nicodemus honored Jesus. He said to him, almost in awe, no one could do the miracles that you have done for these three years unless God was with him. And then they began to talk about being born again and how you enter God's kingdom. Both of them Pharisees, both of them totally different. One showing respect for our Lord. The other saying, you ought to bow down to me, Jesus, because I have invited you to my place. There is a second person who comes to this dinner table. She is a woman. She has not been invited. But since the feast is open to the general public, she comes walking out from the crowd. She heads straight to the table where Jesus is kneeling. And the Bible says, as Pastor Shower read it, she is standing behind him. He's semi-reclined at that table. His feet are behind him. His face is toward the table. And there she stands behind him. The Bible is very discreet when it describes her. Verse 37 calls her a woman who had lived, past tense, who had lived a sinful life. It's a delicate way of saying she had been a lady of the night. She had been a prostitute, It's unthinkable that she would come to the house of the Pharisee. Because when you look at them on the surface, there are two utter ends of the spectrum. One is supposedly a holy and righteous man, and the other is a lady of the night. Yet on this night, at this dinner party, they both have come for the same purpose... They both want to meet Jesus. Simon the Pharisee wants to meet him to make himself look good in the eyes of the public. The woman has come because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has touched her soul. It is significant that she's called a woman who had lived past tense, had lived a sinful life. But Simon, two verses later, said she is a sinner, present tense. It's obvious that she knew something about Jesus. It's obvious that she had had some contact with Jesus before this story begins. If the contact was merely her listening to a message that he preached that is significant, because when Jesus delivers a message from God, it has all the power of God behind it. To teach a person, to change a person, to transform a person, to forgive a person. And that was this woman. I believe she had heard his message and had responded to him in utter faith. And upon her repentance and upon her prayer for forgiveness and change, Jesus had done what Jesus was in the business of doing. Jesus had done what he had purposed when he died on that cross. Jesus had forgiven her. She had experienced it. The greatest healing ointment in the world. She had experienced the forgiveness from God himself, his love and his mercy. She comes to the party because her life has already been changed. And she wants to express her newfound love uh, for her Lord. She was like so many in the Bible. The demon possessed man on the island of the Gadarenes. uh, When Jesus cast the demons out of him, uh, he fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, I want to go with you. I want to spend the rest of my life being one of your disciples. You got 12, might as well add number 13. uh, And let that man be me. I love you, Jesus. You have given me back my life. It was like so many in the Bible. If the thief on the cross could have gotten down off the cross, if he could have gotten Jesus off the cross, that bloodied man would have knelt down at Jesus' feet and said, Jesus, you just saved my life. Uh, You said, uh, today be with me in paradise. You have saved my life. You have forgiven me. I've told you many times that when Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The thief on the cross was not thinking about Simon Peter. He was not thinking about the scribes and Pharisees. He was not thinking about the Roman soldiers who had nailed him there. The thief on the cross was thinking about himself. He was saying to himself, my goodness gracious, Jesus has just asked God to forgive me for the life that I have wasted and the harm that I have done to so many others. You better believe one thing, that thief on the cross loved Jesus. You better believe one thing, that when that leper who was cleansed came running back to Jesus, fell down at his feet, and gave him thanks and praise, you better believe that that one leper loved Jesus And would spend the rest of his life loving Jesus. Couldn't do enough for him. And Simon Peter, when he was forgiven by Jesus for his betrayal, you better believe that Simon Peter was weeping. And he was saying to Jesus, I'll love you till I die. And I will end up dying because I love you so much. She is one of millions upon millions upon billions upon trillions of people when they have been touched by the forgiveness that God offers, they love him to the day they enter heaven. And then they love him forever in that place. Simon says she is a sinner. The Bible says she had lived a sinful life. Simon was unaware, perhaps, that she had come to the faith. Simon was unaware of the fact that she was no longer a lady of the night, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're a person like Simon Peter, if you're a person like Simon Peter, you never do forgive an individual. Right? Right? if they did something 20 years ago and, and they long long since have received forgiveness from God and long since have served their penalty, if they did something 20 years ago, if you're a person like Simon the Pharisee, you're always that person. You're always that person. Jesus, when he started his ministry, said two significant things. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. He doesn't say blessed are the finger-pointers. He didn't say blessed are those who slander others. He didn't say blessed are those who judge others. He said blessed are the peacemakers, the forgivers, for they are God's representatives on this earth. And then the very next chapter, Jesus says, people who like to judge other people they see a tiny speck in their brother's eye and they point out that tiny speck and they got a huge log in their own eye. And then he said, Judge not lest you be judged. By the same measure you judge other people, you will be judged by God. Two different people. And on the surface, everyone thinks Simon is a holy and righteous one. And everyone thinks that the woman is filled with sin. But when you look at the depths of this story, it is the complete opposite. She is holy because she's been forgiven. Simon remains in his sin of pride and arrogance. When she comes to Jesus, six things happen. She intends to anoint his feet with perfume. But before she can do that, she begins to cry. And she cannot stop crying. As she cries, he notices that her tears are dropping on Jesus' feet. When she sees her tears on Jesus' feet, she's a little bit embarrassed and she kneels down and she dries his feet with her hair. She then smothers his feet with her kisses and finally she anoints his feet with the perfume she loves him that's why she's weeping she stands on his greatness she weeps overwhelmed with sorrow over her path she wipes his feet with a sign of deep humility she kisses his feet a gesture of affection and respect she anoints his feet in gratitude for what he has done for her she has been set free and he was the one who had broken the shackles of the slavery of her sin he was the one he was the one he was the one every once in a while someone will come up to me and they will say pastor 14 years and i'll say 14 years what They'll say, 14 years today since my last drink of alcohol. Or they'll come up and say, seven years. Seven years since I stopped the activity that was so displeasing to God. The list is a lengthy one of anniversaries and the reasons behind them. This was that woman... If you ask her on what day did she hear the message from Jesus that changed her life, she would have told you 25 years later, the exact day, the exact moment, what the weather was like, where she was standing, she would describe that day as if it happened yesterday. And she would say, Jesus, on that day, he saved my life. And he changed my life. Simon the Pharisee is seething with anger. Jesus tells a story that Pastor Shawa read. And then he asked him the question Who loves the forgiver of the debt more? And Simon said, The one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, You are correct. He was saying to Simon, we're all in debt to God. Shame on any human being for pointing another finger at another human being because of something in their life. Shame on any person who does that. Gary Schmidtke was in this pulpit 15 years ago. He preached a sermon I never forget. He said, my sin is not alcoholism. My sin is not drugs. My sin is not adultery, my sin is not embezzlement, and he had a long list. And then he said, God knows what my besetting sin is, and God knows the battle I've had with it through the entirety of my life. And as God deigns to forgive me and to be with me in my struggle, so he deigns to be with all of us in the battles that we have, against our besetting sin. Simon's sin was pride and arrogance. And that's what Jesus wanted to save him from. He could save Nicodemus. Acts chapter 6, after Pentecost, he could save many of the priests who came to the faith in him. And one would hope and pray that Jesus, because of this episode and the Holy Spirit, when he came on Pentecost, one could only hope and pray that Simon the Pharisee was changed. Ray Pritchard once said, it is strange, is it not? that the worst sinners often make the best saints. Why? Because flagrant sinners are more likely to discover that they are sinners and how deeply they fall in love with the one who forgave them and saved them and their love is evidenced in their devotion to Jesus and their service to others. I close with this question. What do you see when you look at others? What do you see? Simon looked at other people and he said, Thank you, God, that I'm like, not like other people. I'm a holy and righteous man. I'm glad I'm not like this woman here, covered with sin. I can barely look at her. The publican in that particular story said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What do you see when you look at other people? The answer to that question is dependent on your answer to my second question. My second question is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look in the mirror? If you see someone who has committed sins and you realize that God has forgiven you, and everything was restored. Then when you look at other people, you don't see sinner. You see what you see when you look in the mirror. Someone who is not perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, then all lives matter to God. And since all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all lives should matter to all of us. If you look in the mirror and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, then when you look at other people, you will say the same thing. Lord, be merciful to all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you look at your life and see what God can do, when he is forgiven and restored and transformed. Then you look at other people's lives and you wish and pray the same for them. Why does God put this story in the Bible? Because it's one of the most significant stories he could ever deliver. Because, blessed are the peacemakers, For they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Let me have a prayer with you. Heavenly Father, the woman has had an operation performed, she hadn't been bleeding for 12 years but she had been a lady of the night for perhaps a decade or more. And now that which had haunted her and that which had degraded her and that which had caused her to not be able to look at the face of God because of what her life was, that had all been changed by an operation done by the Holy Spirit, and she was no longer what she was before, He was a forgiven and changed child of God. When King David was forgiven, look at what he did. When Simon Peter was forgiven, look at what he did. When Samson was forgiven, look at what he did. When Jonah was forgiven, look at what he did. When the thief on the cross was forgiven, look at what he did. His story is in the Bible, one of the most significant stories ever, telling us it's never too late to come to Jesus in faith. And when this woman was forgiven, she was so in love with Jesus that she served him for the rest of her days on this earth. May we love him to the extent that she did. And may we serve him to the extent that she did. Never a moment, Lord, that we do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Savior's name, amen.